What's up and welcome to the podcast, Ask Father Josh, the show where you get to ask me questions. I pray with them, I sit with them, and hopefully I respond in a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you and all of us to be. On today's show, we have a special show from Focus SLS 20 with my boy Andy Lesneski. What's up, dog? What's up, Father Josh? Pleasure to be here with you. It's a pleasure to have you. And so we also got some of our friends out here on the porch. What's up, y'all? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. All right. And so on today's show, we have some pretty good topics about tattoos, about ministry, about being different, about burning out. But before we get into those topics, I want to talk about some glory stories. share a glory story first, Andy, and then after that, I'm going to ask you, and then we should put in some glory stories from our brothers and sisters out there on the porch, all right? Sounds awesome. So my glory story actually happened, uh, I think it was yesterday in the morning, I was able to watch this movie called I Still Believe, uh, There, uh, it's about Jeremy Camp, he's that Christian singer, and uh, I think everybody knows, when it comes to like a lot of Christian movies, I typically don't watch all of them because some of them are really corny, right? They aren't done very well, and uh, they're just kind of boring, but... This one I watched, and dude, I ain't gonna lie, like, I straight up cried like a baby. Like, it was so sad. Have you ever seen A Walk to Remember? I, I haven't, but I can picture you crying. A Walk to Remember, y'all seen that, right? Remember that Mandy Moore? Like, this is the Catholic version of A Walk to Remember. I mean, not Catholic, Christian version. It, it, was, it was so, oh man, my heart was pierced. But anyways, it's a great movie, Jeremy Camp's story. It's all about suffering and redemption and God bringing about good through the pain that we go through. And so uh, it, was, it was a gift to watch it, and uh, I would highly endorse it and encourage everybody to watch it because uh, it's just a beautiful, glory story of what God has done in his life through his relationship with his uh, first wife. What about you? What you got? Cool. Uh, yeah, glory story for me, uh, it was a, something that started off kind of hard. Uh, my... Two of my good friends, uh, Dave and Amber Van Bickle, uh, just found Amber uh, just recently found out that uh, she has cancer, and um, she's an amazing. They're an amazing family. They've got five uh, really wonderful kids. Um, two of them who have pretty severe uh, special needs, uh, ongoing medical treatments, and uh, Dave's involved in evangelization work. Uh, really, one of the holiest families I know, um, and so it really kind of shook them um, and. Amber's just started uh, her cancer treatments, and um, it's don't know. There's a lot of questions about what's what's going to happen in the road yeah. ahead. But um, you know, I, I kind of reached out to our networks. Uh, Dave kind of runs a lot of the same circles that I do, uh, both in ministry and um, in like our kids go to the same school. Um, and so we started this GoFundMe just to kind of support them during this time. And the one thing I knew that God would do in the midst of this battle with cancer is that that God would be glorified. And yeah. uh, so we started out this GoFundMe, um, you know, and within, you know, within a day, it, it reached its initial goal, which was $100,000, which I Praise thought was God. a pretty big goal. Wow. Um, as we're recording this, um, it's raised over $225,000 yeah. for the family. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, obviously the, the battle is is long and, and uh, there, there's, there's a lot to go for them to go through, but um, it's beautiful to see, and that 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 money that's come from over like a thousand six hundred donors. Um, that's amazing. People just rallying behind them, and so if you're listening, just ask that you pray for them. But uh, yeah. you know, and, and I'm sure we'll put the, the link in the show notes. Yeah, um, certainly. Yeah. But yeah, just it's amazing to see how God's 
already being glorified in the midst of this battle for can love cancer. Um, so just uh, yeah, just love loving them and praying for them and just seeing how God's working in that. Yeah, well, let's pray for them right now. Together. That'd be awesome. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed Mother, we entrust this family, this couple, to your maternal intercession, your care, your protection as we pray together. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thy will be done, Father. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. All right, so uh, we had our glory stories, and that's a very beautiful one. But I know that the people who are on the porch right now, they got some glory stories as well. So I want to call up one of my buddies from way back in the day, Father Brad Doyle. Come to the, come to the booth. Right here? Yeah, man. Come sit right next to me, bro. We're in a Scooby-Doo oh, okay. bus right now. Uh, <laughs> it's like smaller than a Scooby-Doo bus. Yeah, yeah so, that was bigger. So, uh, Brad, what's your glory story, bro? Uh, well, my fi- my best friend finally invited me on his podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. that's right, that's right. That's yeah. When is that? When is that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Um, clerically speaking, they invited oh! me on. Oh snap! Oh snap! I'm just joking. Actually, so when I was I was thinking about glory story, it was this, we just had Christmas, right? Yeah. And um, before Christmas, uh, we had Carolyn. Uh, right before, a couple days before, and uh, one of the parishioners shouted out, they're like, oh, I want Oh Holy Night. And um, I was like, oh, it's, it's not in, the, I know it's your jam. I know. Maria, Mariah oh, Carey version? Oh, Holy Night. Oh, hit it. The what? The what? potatoes. Okay, there we go. Yeah, that, that, that was more like the Whitney version. That's, that, okay. that, that's the remix. Okay, so I said, no, it's not in the hymnal, and I really didn't want, like, people, like, they don't know the lyrics, right? Right. So I said, no. And then she, so she gave me a gift after Christmas, after Christmas Mass, she gave me a a gift, a card, and she wrote it, and she included the lyrics and the music to Oh Holy Night. And as a priest, you know, you finish all these Masses, and nobody's in the church, everyone's gone, and I opened it up, and she meant it as a joke. But I literally, by myself, stood in the middle of the church at St. Margaret's in Albany, and I sang Oh Holy Night at the top of my lungs, and I weeped too. <laughs> like, I was, I was oh, crying. Wow. I love that song, and it was a beautiful moment that the Lord gave me. I'm sure, I'm sure Jesus wept too when he heard you sing. He oh, was thank like, you. boo! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> boo! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's my glory story, <laughs> singing by myself in the church, and... Dude, God. we got to praise God for our parishioners. I had a, uh, so when I was at St. Aloysius, I had a 6 a.m. mass on Monday mornings. And, uh, and we had youth group every Sunday night. So that would go really late and I had to wake up early Monday morning. And there was a number of times where I just overslept and missed mass. And so one day, uh, this, this old lady came up to me and she was like, hey, Father Josh, I want you to know that I, I pray for you every single day. And I was like, oh <laughs> that my. you show up. I was like, oh my gosh, you are so sweet. And she was like, yeah. And I specifically asked my guardian angel to go visit you every single day. And I was like, wow, like that's, that's huge. And she said, to wake you up in the morning because you keep missing mass and i was like my bad my bad we'll take we'll take the prayers any way we can get it. i would take all the prayers and get all right let's bring in one more friend thanks thanks for coming by father brad uh let me get my friend danielle from the usccb yeah Yeah. you down with usccb yeah you know me who down with usccb everybody all right here's your headphones you know what my favorite thing is how you you start with the lyrics and and it's so hot and then you like you intentionally or you accidentally 
Forget the words. I totally forget them um, accidentally. It's it, just, it, I love it. Yeah, I'm imperfect. So, so Daniel, we go way back. We actually met we at a, yeah at a conference. Um, so, uh, what's the glory story for you? Yeah, so it was in the two minutes that I had to to kind of figure this out. And you know, what? I I had a really I, tough time um, with my brother this week. My brother and I uh, both live in the D.C. area, but we don't see each other a lot. And when we do, because we work so hard in in weighty areas in the church and and public matters, it's usually sort of fraught with, like, whatever we brought from the week or or from the job. And so when we finally got in one place for Christmas, you know, there there was just, like, this tension between us, and we kind of had a blow-up. One of the last nights we were in Detroit together... But it really gave way after like a couple of hours of him being willing to just sit there and 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 just be raw and honest, um, and both of us apologizing for a number of things just over our you know most recent adult lives that we haven't been able to prioritize each other. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a really beautiful opportunity for us to say, you know, I'm sorry, and mm. I'm going to try my best to, to show up better and to, uh, to to present myself like I would want to to be presented to um, oh, praise as, God. A, as a sibling. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Yeah, reconciliation yeah. on it a was, new level. It was great. Praise the Lord for that. That's a yeah, great, man. glorious story. Well, thank you, Danielle. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, we have some glorious stories. Let's go ahead and get into today's topics. So today's show we have with us um, my buddy Andy Lesnavsky, the director for Vagabond Ministries, a great, great ministry. Andy, can you tell us about your ministry real quick before we get into the questions so they can know who's answering these questions with me? Yeah, absolutely. Vagabond Missions, um, uh, we exist to provide uh, really effective Catholic youth ministry um, in uh, inner city neighborhoods. And so um, a lot of times I feel like the, the church has done a beautiful, wonderful job of uh, giving poor people stuff, uh, but oftentimes... Um, we forget that the most basic thing everyone needs is Jesus. So, yeah, share um, Jesus. Yeah, our, our main goal is to invite inner city kids into relationship with Jesus and the church. Uh, we do that by uh, placing three to five missionaries in a community uh, to live, work, and serve there. Uh, and really just meet kids, be incarnational, bring Jesus uh, to the streets, to the basketball courts, to the schools, um, to, to a lot of places that where, where kids uh, are unchurched and yeah. they come from real broken families. Yeah, and I love your ministry because what you're doing is what the Gospels call all of us to do. Where Jesus Christ said, go out and make disciples of all nations. But whenever we look at a lot of Catholic apostolates and a lot of Catholic parishes, they only make disciples of some nations. And they go out and they go to people who they're comfortable with, but they don't go to people who live in their geographical boundaries. And one of the things that we learn in canon law is that, like especially as pastors, we're responsible for the soul and the salvation of every person in our geographical boundaries, not just the people who come to the pews, not just the people who look like us or think like us or speak like us or pray like us, but everybody. And so we're supposed to go out and meet those people who are right there in our boundaries. And what your ministry is doing is you're going out there to the people that quite often get neglected in the Catholic Church. And it's a great gift because like, as a member, the board, as a board member of this uh, great mission, uh, I'm able to witness that supernatural fruit is coming from y'all's ministry. Like, people are coming into the sacraments, people are falling in love with Jesus, people are staying in love with Jesus. And that's really what it's all about. Like more than giving somebody something to, to eat, which we should do to both end, we should give them the bread of life to eat as well, yeah. you know? So praise God for that ministry. And I, uh, hopefully people will Google y'all and us and see what we do. And, and yeah, yeah, it's a, it, uh, 
it's really a beautiful thing. We just love inviting people in to, to partner with us, uh, whether that's as a mission partner, but also just consider, you know, I, I feel like everyone has the ability to be a part of the mission and be a part of what God is doing. And God's doing big things, but oftentimes poverty seems so far away from us, even though it's right in our own neighborhood. Yeah, so true. All right, well, let's go ahead and get jumping into the first question. The first question comes in from Necker. So Necker writes this. Hello, Father Josh. Hello, it's me. I was one. I'm sorry, my bad. All right, hello, Father Josh. I want to thank you for your podcast. I appreciate how you bring your fully personality to each recording. It has been especially helpful to me because I often get the sense that I need to change and fit some mold in order to be acceptable or rather leave behind my culture and my personality and become a woman who is meek, quiet, and soft. This is an ongoing struggle for me, though, to understand how to sanctify our culture and personality traits rather than just trying to become someone I'm not. What are your thoughts on this? I often see examples of women promoted as strong Catholics who dress and talk alike. I want to find myself in Christ, but that does not mean just conforming, right? I'm hoping you can catch what I'm trying to ask. Thank you so much for this podcast, and, I, and even reading this email, I appreciate the ministry. So, Andrew, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that question um, is, in some sense, it's the essential question of, like, the incarnational ministry. You know, like, if we're going to bring the gospel to people today, um, and, and in a, like, a, in a, you know, just, not just one setting, but a diverse cultures, diverse settings, that the reality is that to do that, we have to enculturate the gospel. That, yeah. that this... There's this timeless message, you know, that that we're bringing to a specific place and time. And, you know, one of the things that I've been convicted of recently is that the uniqueness of every person, um, that it's in that, that, you know, only you, like, can, can bring the gospel to life, can only show the world who God is in the way that you can. Yeah. And so, literally, there's this... There's a voice that falls silent when we just conform or yeah. we just think, I have to be exactly in this cookie cutter mold of what, you know, a, a Christian looks like or, um, you know, and, and there, there are timeless truths that, that never change. But there, there is, you know, I, I think for each and every one of us, we'll ne- we don't live out our vocation until we know what, what that looks like for us to live that out in the way that God has made us to be. Yeah, and, and God calls every single one of us to be a different member of his body, right? So you have people like Saint Saint Joan of Arc, who is totally different from Mother Teresa, who is totally different from Saint Josephine Bakita, right? All these different saints are women who were in love with Jesus, but followed Jesus in very radically different ways. And they were who they were, as you said, right? That's what uh, Saint uh, Teresa Benedict of the Cross says, like what women are, right? Like be the woman who you're called to be. Um, because like you're saying, like there are certain people that would never, ever want to listen to the gospel from me. Maybe because they have a wound from a priest, maybe because of some other thing, and they might only hear it from you. And so you have to be able to communicate the gospel in a way that's authentic um, for them to perceive it and receive it from you and only you. And so um, be you. Be you, Necker, right? Only you can be you. God created you to be a unique saint. And so don't try to conform, right? Um, As far as growing in meekness, um, that's a virtue. So you definitely want to cultivate that virtue, but it's going to look different manifested in your life than it will in my life. But you definitely want to cultivate all the virtues that God has in store for each and every single one of us. Um, but and I, one more thing I just want to, like, I think it's, 
it is a, a beautiful time in the church to be to see you know just different expressions of holiness and what that yeah. looks like and i think more than ever um we we need as a church to continue to say like this is something that we've been cognizant of with our like just we want to raise up more women leadership uh, within vagabond missions of saying like look you know we we need great authentic female leadership and that um the the church you know needs that and and we need to find ways to bring that up because i think it's a challenge because sometimes i think people think like you know, I can do this for a time and then, you know, I'll get married and then I'm going to have kids or, you know, but I think across the the board, across generations, across um, racial and, you know, et- like different eth- ethnic looks, like we all, we need to bring out like authentic leadership. And I think sometimes we, we do as a church, you know, put that in one pocket, you know, yeah. this is what that looks like. So, yeah, it's, it's great to hear that, that she's exploring that. And I just encourage you to, you know, I think, that's the Holy Spirit. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, uh, you know, continue to, to seek out what God is calling you to yeah, do. Yeah, we need to celebrate our differences, right? And we also, like you're saying, we need to make sure everybody has a seat at the table, right? So that way I can learn from her wisdom. She can learn from my wisdom. We can collaborate together to form saints who are totally radical disciples of, of Jesus Christ. So uh, hopefully that was helpful for you. Um, if you have any more questions, NECA, then hit us up with a follow-up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. All right, our second question comes in about tattoos. Just like some tattoos, hey. So, tattoos says this. Anonymous wrote, I'm a 27-year-old guy with a three-fourths sleeve of a tattoo. Uh, It shows how God has helped me through my childhood struggles and how he made me stronger because of it. Through my tattoo, I've been able to bring a few people back to God and knowing his love for us. Praise God. That's, That's so beautiful to hear. I feel that it's my way of evangelizing. Some people in leadership at my parish, they know my story and they're excited about my tattoo uh, and they're excited that that's my way of evangelizing. These same people encourage me and other young adults to go out and evangelize others. Yet and still, I've also been told by them that I have to wear long sleeve shirts and to cover up my tattoo whenever I'm on the parish grounds. How do I approach this from Anonymous? Uh, you know, I think tattoos can sometimes, uh, you know, get people stirred up one way or another. Um, a lot of our missionaries have twos, tattoos. I have two. They're not, like, visible. Um, so you have invisible tattoos? Well, they're not, like, they're covered up. And they're, oh, some okay. of them are invisible. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I was like, like is that white a ink? A tattoo of Like a heart. white yeah. ink on a white yeah. arm? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some new stuff, right? Um, no, but I, I think, uh, you know, and... Uh, do, doing some stuff with recording different people. My brother's got a lot of tattoos. He's got two full sleeves. And um, sometimes people get really angry. Like, I, I saw that guy in a video, but I couldn't listen to, I couldn't even look at the words, come, listen to the words coming out of his mouth because I just was so angry, you know? And I think the reality is, um, you know, there are cultural preferences or cultural norms in different cultures and that there's no, you know, the church in her wisdom doesn't have this, you know, blanket statement like tattoos are um are great or tattoos are bad. It's really something that's up to the discernment of the individual. Um, you know, I, so I think, uh, you know, obviously some people might get upset about tattoos. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think we, as a organization, we embrace tattoos cause they do tell stories yeah. and, and a lot of times they do break down barriers. Um, so I think there's almost two questions in this question. One is, you know, are tattoos okay? You know, and then two is, um, you know, I think I think there's an you wanna if if you're having 
struggles with people in leadership in your church is to to have an honest conversation say like this is part of who I am right you I know you've you know kind of embraced that in different ways but I, I really you know it's bothering me that this is something that you're not embracing right now and um Let's stop right there. Let's break it down to the two questions. So number one, are tattoos okay? So like what, what's in the Bible about tattoos? Right? In Leviticus, when it says that you shouldn't tattoo yourself or laugh at yourself, what else does it say? It also says that you shouldn't pierce and you shouldn't cut your bangs. And so for everybody that's in my porch right now that has pierced ears um, or you've got a haircut, Father Brad, I see you got a little fade over there. Um, it would be the same thing as having a tattoo. But what was the what was the author intending to write about? Well, he was writing to a specific group of people, um, specifically people who were being affected by the Canaanites, um, who did not believe in the resurrection. And so, whenever they had a loved one who died, they would cut their bangs and pierce uh, their ears, lacerate their bodies, and tattoo themselves because they did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in anything after that. Um, so it wasn't good, and it was also very dangerous. So. Um, tattoos are fine, right? Um, if as long as they're glorifying God, right? Um, uh, so, but it takes discernment for that. Then for the second part as well, like, all right, so say someone in the parish doesn't like your tattoo, has a problem with your tattoo. Well, that's a conversation starter, right? Well, let's talk about what, what is your issue with my tattoo? Like, what, what, what's going on? Let's have a conversation. Um, let's get to know each other as people first. Um, because even when, when we have people who who uh, try to push us away from ministry or push us away from the parish, like the Lord is still calling us to disciple those people. Like everybody that God puts in our midst is somebody that God's expecting me to mission, someone for me to pray for, to fast for, to intercede for, to sacrifice for, and to share the gospel with. And so if someone has an issue with it, like let's enter into a relationship with each other and pray with each other and, and go deep because potentially God wants that conversation to bring about uh, authentic renewal in that church. And finally, as far as who says I should be on my parish grounds or not? Like, if you ain't the pastor, you really can't say nothing, right? So if somebody's saying, like, you shouldn't be on our parish grounds, go put a, go put a shirt on. It's like, I like, uh, bye, Felicia, because uh, like, you ain't my pastor, right? So um, we need to invite people to discern what's their role in the body of Christ and, and who has the authority to say, say who should belong where and go where and do what for the kingdom of God. Yeah, I think those conversations, like, it, a lot of times there might be something you learn in that conversation both ways, but... To not be afraid, just, okay, let's have a conversation around this, you know, yeah. even if it's a tough issue um, or, you know, you feel very personal about it because it's literally part of who you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, and you want to obviously be in a place where you're loved and welcomed. And I think it's part, goes back to that first question that about the enculturation, like this is, this is part of how I speak and, and share the gospel with yeah. people. And, and it's born supernatural fruit. He said, he said, people have seen my tattoo and he's drawing them to God. So, like, clearly, for him, as as a member of the body of Christ, the Lord has used that to draw people into relationship with him. So, yeah, and we if you got tattoos, that. you can hit us up on Vagabond Missions because we love people with tattoos. Yeah, so you hear that. So we take tattoos <laughs> at Vagabond Missions. Uh, I mean, unless they're, like, ugly tattoos, right? Yeah. We, we, we're going to discern that. And yeah. Like, yeah. If you have 666 on your body, like, we'll get that removed for you first. And that's that's nasty. All right, great. So... Final question comes in from Michaela. Michaela writes about how she can avoid burning out while serving others. So she writes this. All right. How can one lead a community while still being a part of the community? Myself and a few of my good friends are the leadership team at my university's Catholic Center. We do not have a campus minister or any missionaries, so a majority of the ministry falls upon the shoulders of myself and the rest of the officer team. It's been incredibly difficult to live into the community while also leading it. Uh, We became exhausted over the past semester, constantly pouring into the community and the community not pouring back into us. And all all of our relations with Christ have suffered. 
Over the break, the Lord restored us greatly, but how do we keep a repeat of last semester from happening again? Yeah, I think uh, this is a question we all ask in ministry. I think one of the things uh, that, I, that I've heard kind of exp- explained is like, you don't want to be the starving baker, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost, that, um, you know, I think the, uh, this, you know, the image of some, like this baker making delicious food and, you know, being starving because they forget to eat, that first and foremost, you know, I think one of the things that we've reflected on as a ministry uh, seeing people burn out, seeing, you know, how hard ministry is at times, is that really embracing the idea of, of being active contemplatives, yeah. you know, people who, the, the, it's not this dichotomy between like doing ministry, doing, doing what God's called me to do and my prayer life, that those two things really flow together and, and really can't happen well if there, it's not, you know, that, that you got, you have to put your spiritual life first because that, because you, you can't give what you don't have, yeah. and uh, you know, I think also on that that same regard, I think you know, knowing being in situations like that, I think the other thing is, um, you're when you're feeding people, you got to make sure you're being fed. Yeah. So you can't, if if you're in a ministry situation, the people that you're ministering to cannot be your support. Right. You know that you have to have, like, it, I, I think if. You know, it sounds like she's got at least got a team. You yeah. know, she's not just doing it on her own. That if, if you would l- lean into your team and lean into, you know, st- struggling together, praying together, yeah. worshiping together, you know, and then serving together, not just mm-hmm. serving, but praying first. Yeah, Mother Teresa, she says, um, the devil oftentimes tempts the good to do many good things that God never invited them to do. And so many good people do a lot of good things and they don't do anything well because they're they're so spread out, right? And so they're not able to do any one thing well. So I would encourage you, uh, Michaela, to like discern what's the one thing? What's the one thing that God's calling me to do right now in my spiritual life, first and foremost with my prayer? Like what's the one way that God for the next few months wants me to cultivate my relationship with Jesus Christ in prayer and put that on your calendar and prioritize that and be intentional and put boundaries around your prayer. Do not let people take you away from spending time with Jesus because he's the only one that can give you the grace to fulfill the demands of discipleship. And then once you discern the one way he's calling you to pray, then discern as a team, what's the one thing I'm supposed to do in this team? Like for me as an evangelist, like if I have to set up before an event, then speak at an event and then take down after an event, I'm super drained. I'm super exhausted. But if I have a team of people who have different charisms and different gifts in the body of Christ who I'm collaborating with, who can set up, who can take down, who can work on the on the mic stuff, who can work on the IT stuff, whatever it is, um, then, then if everybody's doing their role, then it helps each one of us to be able to make a fuller gift of self in the way that God's inviting us to. And I'm not going to say yes to everything. So we have to learn, all right, what is our mission here on our campus ministry? And, and what's the vision that we're all following? And what's it not? And if it's not that, I can't do it. I just can't. So like we have to say no over and over again to reverence that time with Jesus, to reverence the time that we're serving. And then again, we have to have other life-giving things that we're prioritizing as what to fill us up. So like what's something natural that fills you up, Michaela? Is, is it relationships? Is it hanging out? Is it going playing ball? Whatever that is, you have to also prioritize that and put boundaries around it to safeguard it so that people can't just take, 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 you know? Um, but as you said, I mean, I go through seasons of burnout too. Like I have boundaries. I have a, a very structured rule of life. Um, but every now and then I'm imprudent. Uh, there's a really cool priest who I, I look up to 
and uh, and he's a founder of a religious community, and he teaches in seminary, and he uh, preaches missions, and does a lot of really cool stuff. And one day I said, dude, father, how do you do it? Like, how do you, like, because he literally will hear confessions, like, for hours upon hours. And I'm like, how do you do this and then go back to your community and then come over here? And he said two things. He said, one, uh, it's a lot of imprudence. And I was like, whoa, I, I had no idea you was imprudent. I thought she was, like, already in the unity stage of spiritual life. So, number one, imprudence. Number two, he said, it's a lot of God's grace. So even whenever we're doing this work, we're probably going to be imprudent. We're probably going to mess up, and we're going to keep learning. And as we enter into a different season and a different space, and I walk toward eternity with different ministries and different people we're walking with, we're going to have to relearn. Like whenever I was in campus ministry, it was totally different than whenever I was at St. Aloysius than what it is now that I'm at Holy Rosary. In each season, I have to relearn what boundaries am I going to put up to safeguard my relationship with God, what's going to fill me up, and what I'm going to do. To, to pour out to form saints for the kingdom of God. Yeah, and just to go back to you said you mentioned having a rule of life, and I think that was kind of a new concept for me, even the past couple of years, because um, you hear a lot about that with different orders and, and different stuff. But I, I think uh, that just setting up, you know, a basic this is this is what I'm going to do in my spiritual life, and saying like nothing, you know, nothing's going to stop me from, yeah. you know, in a simple way like we we set our rule of life for vagabond missions. You know, that we're going to go to daily mass at least three times a week. We're going to do two holy hours during the week besides our normal prayer. Um, you know, just setting out those those boundaries and, and why you do what you do. And not saying, like, okay, I'm going to list everything in the, you know, uh, you know that, that every Catholic does. But just saying, like, these are the things that are what make me unique and yeah. what are going to keep me going. Um, I think is a really beautiful thing to discern and to... You know, not not just be like, okay, I gotta pray more, but this is this is yeah. specifically how I'm gonna do that. Yeah. And and to be able to have a group of people that that holds you accountable. Amen. You, to have, to, that, you have to have community. You know, right? it, it's it it, uh, it it's tough, but it's 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 doable. And you know, I love what you said too about you know discerning what is that one thing because sometimes I think in the church we think if we just have more activity, yeah. the more activity the better. You know, and it's. You know, it, it, usually when you take a handful of darts and just throw them at a dartboard, yeah. you know, that that's not the best strategy. Just what is the one or two things that God's mm -hmm. calling us to do? One of the cool things my team did this year at my parish is we put up a, a board um, in our conference uh, room. And on the board it has everybody's name and it has everybody's, like, personal rule of life of, like, when they're going to do their holy hour, when they're going to go to Mass, when they're going to pray as a team, and when they're going to fast with somebody else. And it's on the board for everybody to see, so everybody's held accountable. And so uh, one of the things that I would encourage you to do, uh, Michaela, is, is to come up with something practical and have other people be invited into that. A practical way you can do that is by cultivating the five W's, when, where, what, who, and why. Uh, every week on your calendar, look, when can I spend time with Jesus? When can I spend time with community? When can I do things that are going to fill me up? Where am I going to spend time with Jesus? Where am I going to spend time with my community? Where am I going to go to get filled up? Um, what am I going to do to avoid the near occasion of distraction um, from being able to be present to God in prayer and my community, the people that fill me up? Who's going to hold me accountable? Like invite a friend to call you, text you, email you, whatever. Um, and then why are you doing this? Because you don't want to burn out because you want to make a gift of yourself. So um, I think we answered that question sufficiently. So does anybody in the, in the porch have a, a question y'all want to ask live? Come on up. Come What's on up? up. Yes, ma'am. Come on down. Welcome to the Scooby Dooby Doo Mobile. So, what's Hi. up? What's your name? Is Hannah, right? Hannah, actually. Hannah. Yeah. Hannah. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Father. I am here with the Archdiocese of Military Services, and I'm in the Coast Guard, stationed in Valdez, Alaska. And there's a small parish there, but generally, I feel pretty darn isolated in terms of 
young adult Catholics on fire for their faith. And I haven't been super stellar at keeping the march going, if you know what I mean. And what advice do you have for Catholics, military or otherwise, who are genuinely isolated? I know the calling is to be that leader, start that young adult community. I know that answer, but the truth is it's just really difficult to connect with people who, even at the parish, don't get it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Or you just don't have that connection with them. Um, I feel like I'm really falling short. Yeah, that's a, a great question, Hannah. So I'll take a stab, and if you want to take a stab as well. Um, so just off the cuff, without having time to pray about it, uh, I would I would share with you, um, years a few years ago, um, one of my closest friends who I had a lot of intentional community time with, um, he wasn't living near me, and so, um, but he was a friend of mine who I was able to pray with and go deep with and share my heart with. Uh, he held me accountable to, to trying to become a saint, um, and, and he knows me better than probably anybody else knows me, but he wasn't living anywhere near me, and so we, our community was by the phone. Like we had to, to email each other, and we had to text each other, and we had to call each other to have intentional community. And we prioritized that on our calendar where we would like on Thursday evening set apart that time to, to talk on the phone. We didn't have FaceTime at that point, uh, but now you can have FaceTime with somebody outside of your immediate community if you're not, if you're not able to receive um, in, right now from that community that you're living in. So you still abide in them because as you receive from your friend, whoever that might be, um, who doesn't necessarily live with you, then you can pour out into at least one, maybe one person uh, at your parish, one person in your community there. Um, and then also recognize, too, just that sometimes the Lord sets us apart for a season um, because the Lord wants to be um, our community in a very special, unique way. And so sometimes Jesus actually draws us. Um, he sets us apart so that he can, like, fill that loneliness and transform it into solitude um, because he has things he wants to share with you that sometimes we can't listen to and we can't receive if we're so busy doing a lot of things but whenever we're invited to like pray with that loneliness and pray with that pain and pray with that ache uh, of the lack then he has so much that he wants to say because you're his bride and he loves you and you're his beloved um, and so I would also encourage you um, to, to lean into the Lord as well and, and try to pay attention to like what is he saying to me in all this like what how much uh, how much does he want to love on me in all this stuff does that make sense Yes, Father, thank you. Yeah, I, I would add, um, I, I think, you know, going through, like, seasons like that myself, um, I've found that um, there's sometimes where you just really have to pray hard for that, too. You know, um, it's not just the action, you know, of, like, trying to start, you know, in all community, because that's tough. But just praying for one, one, other, one other person that you could really have that community with, one other person that you could dive in with, um, and... You know, sometimes that that prayer is is kind of partnered together with, you know, so just some simple interactions with people, and because you know, I would the the thing about community is whether or not you know the people in your community know it. Like we're all made for community, so people are longing for that. People desire that. They just don't know how to do it too. You know, and so just just praying that God would put the right person, you know, bring bring some people that that could be community with you, and then. Because usually once you have one or two people, it's easier to invite other people into that. So just praying that as you get started with that, that you really, really just, you know, and it might not be, I'm not saying that's like a quick solution. You know, yeah. that's a long, hard solution sometimes, but that, that God desires that for us. Um, so whether that's like some of it's virtual, like with, with a friend that's far away, you know, I think video chat is awesome now because it's not just seeing a 
hearing the voice but seeing a face. Um, but yeah, and, and two, just one last thing is, I'm always drawn to the saints who lived in like religious community, and and so a lot of people who live in community and religious orders, um, sometimes um, it takes years for them to find that friend that they actually like. Um, a lot of people who are in religious life don't necessarily like the people they're living with, um, but they recognize that they need those people to help them to become saint, to purify them. Saint uh, John of the Cross, he has this beautiful saying where he's like, God didn't call you to religious life for any other reason than for others to, to ch- chisel away at you and to purify you by, by telling you things that you don't want to hear and, and by having no affection for you, et cetera, et cetera. But like, if you lean into those members of the body of Christ, they can, they can purify us and draw us closer to become the saints we're called to be. And so um, there might even be people in your parish that God's calling you to lean into who you might not like. And like, you might not like their personality or their thoughts, but you might need them for them to be God's purification for you to become the saint you're called to be. Does that make sense? Yes, Father. Thank you. Awesome. That was a great question. Thank you so much, Anna. God bless you. Thank you very much, Father. Thank you. All right. So we're getting ready to wrap up. As as we wrap up, just a few things. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, I will be giving a talk in Hall G around 2 o'clock-ish. My talk is on what groups of people are not represented in your Bible studies and and how can we get them to join? What can we do to invite them to come? I think it's the big, big issue that we need to tackle, especially at a conference like this, because we need to see more diversity. I want to see... I want this conference to look like heaven. And heaven, as John saw it in Revelation, he saw people of every race, nation, people, and tongue. And so our Bible study should look like that as well. And so we're going to talk about that very practically. And uh, Maurice is checking that to make sure that that's the right time. It's definitely uh, on my phone. I'm going to pull it up real quick. Stay there. Okay, my talk tomorrow is Wednesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Yeah. Uh, in Hall G, South Building. Uh, and so join us for that. And also we have a vagabond party um, at 10 o'clock p.m. to 2 o'clock a.m., I think. Correct. It's, uh, the, it's the official, unofficial SLS after party. So Ikendola is going to be there. I'm going to be there. Righteous B is going to be there. You and Righteous B are going to like fight each other, right? I don't know. That's on the flyer. We'll have to see. And so come and join us for that as well. Um, and then uh, be at Theology on Tap on Thursday from 530 to 7.30 p.m. in the Sheraton Grand Hotel talking about virtue and vice and how we can cultivate virtues that oppose our dominant vices. We all have those bad habits, and so we're going to give some practical tools on how to avoid the near occasion of sin and cultivate virtue uh, to become the saints God wants us to be. Uh, so you can text us and you can subscribe. Oh, if you text this number, 33777, <laughs> ask Father Josh. Ask FR Josh. Ask FR Josh, and you're going to be able to subscribe to us, get emails about the podcast. There's every single Tuesday, new episode on every single podcast format out there. And uh, send us your more questions so we can continue to walk with each other toward eternity. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We adore you. We worship you. We glorify you. May we have the grace to become the saints you desire for us to be, the particularly unique saints um, who look different from every other saint who has preceded us in our walk toward eternity. May we rely on the intercession of the saints who have preceded us to fall more in love and to stay in love and to abide in the love of you, Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit always in our thoughts, words, and actions in our walk toward eternity. Uh, we entrust everybody here at the SLS 20 conference uh, to, to your grace, Father, and to the maternal prayer of our Blessed Mother as we again turn to her and pray, Hail Mary, full Lord of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Deuces.
Thank you.